Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. And I am Chris Marone. And Chris, it's been a very fascinating week in the area of law and sports. And so we are here to unpack it and to bring it to our faithful listeners. But Chris, first, I want to know from you, we are now a week into the new year, 2022. Uh, We are now a week into our New Year's resolutions, which brings me to ask you this question. Have you made any yet? Uh, I did go to the gym once in the past six days. So that's one more time than I went last year. Dude, three sets in the hot tub, does that really constitute a workout? It it does. I mean, I do laps in the hot tub. I go from side to side, back to front. I I figure out the different chairs, and then, you know, I get to work out with the jets all over my body. Come on. It's a workout. It's a workout. I get out sweating. I'm always sweating when I get out. Yeah. So I, you, you do rotations too. It's not just the hot tub. You'll do the hot tub and then the wet sauna. And then back. to really get a good workout, I do the dry sauna. And then I'll do another rotation through all those three workouts. Hey, you know what? It's important to be at the gym. That's what it's all about. So I'm glad you're keeping That's up right. with your new, Doing it. your new year's resolutions. I love it. Uh, now tonight, as I understand though, you're batching it tonight. Is oh, that right? I am. I am. It's, it's weird. Uh, this is the first night in, you know, since 2019 or 18 or 20 that my wife's having a girl's night. She's out going with the girls to go grab some ice cream sandwiches and just kind of shoot the breeze. And I'm nice. all by myself. So for our listeners, they want to know that you have an evening all to yourself. And how Indeed. are you going to spend that evening? By playing John Madden football. 2022 wow. on the PS5. I am moved to tears because you want to pay tribute to one pay of the greatest tribute. coaches ever. John right. Madden passed away. I'm not sure his funerals even happened yet. I don't think you so. want to play some. Are you, now, are you a good Madden player? No, not even a little bit. Good. I need to play you then. I have no idea what I'm doing right. with Madden, but I will be playing franchise mode with the 74 Raiders. Okay. So I'm paying extra tribute to John Madden when he was a coach. All right. They, uh, I assume they won the Super Bowl around that time period. I so believe so. Might be a, a decent team. Well, I uh, hey, this is the new year, and we just finished the Christmas season, the holiday season. And Chris, I I bought myself a Christmas present. I want to talk about that here in just a bit. Ooh, but I bought I myself that. a soprano saxophone. It was for my my Christmas present, which brought me to this realization. That my you don't wife, play saxophone. No, not, uh, funny. No, I do play saxophone <laughs> way back when I wanted to sing. I tried out for the choir. They heard me sing and then they stuck a mouthpiece in my mouth and said, you know what? Maybe saxophone is better for you. And so uh, yeah, I play saxophone and I do not sing. No, it, it's this. My wife also bought herself a Christmas present. It was a brand new uh, t- or, um, uh, kitchen and table from Restoration House. Okay. Are you there yet in your relationship where you stop buying presents for the other person? You just buy presents for yourself as if they were from the other person? Yes, all the time. Actually, we still buy gifts for each other or for ourselves, and we'll put from Santa or we'll okay. have from the dog. Like, yeah, we're we're totally <laughs> the there. We're totally there. Yeah, Daisy, Daisy, my pit bull, gave me a wonderful set of socks this Christmas. Nice. 
Nice. You see, I, I think that makes sense because you know better about what you want. I mean, if I open up this saxophone and I said, oh, it really wasn't what I was hoping for. I was wanting a different right. brand. I can't do that. I bought it for myself. Of course, I'm going to like it. It's going to be perfect. Right. Same with my wife. She got this table with, I think, <laughs> 14 chairs around it. It's some insane Ooh. thing like that. Yeah, it's a it's a nice table. I will. Uh, Good for I, her. I did. I, and I kind of wanted the table too. It's one of those rustic looking tables. I wanted a big table. So when the extended family comes, we all have a room to sit around the table. They're not all splintered that. off with a, with a kid's table and an adult table. I didn't want any of that crap. And so we have one big table for everyone to sit at. And then my wife had to get chairs for everybody as well. Wow. Chris, when you go to buy a table, the chairs will kill you. No. You, you, you think, oh, I'm buying a table. It, it, it's it's going to cost that amount of money. No, take no. that amount of money times three because you got to add in all those chairs. chairs. That's where they get you, on the chairs. And so uh, now we bought the table and the chairs. The <laughs> chairs will come in sometime around, I believe, March or April. So Shut we're serious up. backlog there. Yeah, it'll be a while. I'll be playing my saxophone for about. I'll be good by the. I'll be Kenny G by the time she gets her her table. <laughs> I love that you're going to be Kenny G. We're going to need to see this as a. I I feel as a podcast, we're going to need to change our intro music to you playing the saxophone and me doing a John Madden impression. You know what? That would work. Let's work on that's, that. That's Let's how we're going to get to twenty thousand viewers, listeners. Is that I'm going to do? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do my John Madden impression, and you're going to play the saxophone, and it's going to be the Monday Night Football theme. It's going to be amazing. You kind of have the John Madden persona about you. Kind of a big guy, larger than life uh, personality. Uh, Kenny G. Um, I don't really have his hair. Um, I might have to get a wig for that one, but um. Uh, you know what? Well, call me Skinny G and not Kenny G. Ooh, I love and it. If you've, if you've ever seen what I look like, you know that is a um, an exaggeration. I don't know what the literary term for that is, but I am <laughs> the farthest thing from Skinny G as they can come. Well, hey, Chris. <laughs> love it. Last week was miserable for me, and I know oh, it was horrible. It was, I, it was, it was oh. not so miserable for you because your Arizona Cardinals were successful. My Kansas City Chiefs, Lost a horrendous game. Oh, the Chiefs were they did horrible. Played Cincinnati. Our coach right. was a bumbling idiot. The rest blew a crucial call. But at least during our game, our star receiver didn't strip down in front of eighty thousand <laughs> fans. So we're going to reserve Midway that through. conversation. Yeah, let's reserve the the football players stripping down in front of eighty thousand fans and walking out in disgust. For our courtroom quarterback conversation at the end, a little bit of teaser there for you. Love it. But let's start off with what is, I think, a huge surprise in the legal world, and that is the Maxwell verdict. Chris, oh my the gosh. Maxwell verdict, which we talked about last week, how the verdict came out, it is in danger. So let's go over a little bit about this. Uh, first of all, what did you think about the verdict itself? And then I will unpack why this verdict is in serious jeopardy. I I honestly thought that it was going to come back mistrial, right? The jurors okay. the jurors were out deliberating for a really long time. They were asking for more evidence to come back. Um, in my experience, that has shown that that means the jurors are kind of deadlocked on a couple of key issues. Uh, but these jurors were not. They just wanted to be allegedly sure 
of their decision. They wanted to make sure they got all the information right and got it out. And they came back with with the guilty verdicts. And I was I, I was taken aback because I was I mean, six to four pick them. I thought that for sure they would come back. Well, I was reasonably confident that they would come back with a mistrial or a NG verdict. And they did not. They returned returned the big guilt. Now, um, for those of you who are not uh, not familiar with the Maxwell case, uh, Maxwell was Jeffrey yep. Epstein's girlfriend yep. and business associate. It was alleged that she was kind of uh, going along with him and getting right. girls to come into his his sex fantasy island deal. So she was recruiting them, bringing them over uh, right. to Jeffrey Epstein. There was the and- one charge, right? The one charge where it was like... Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but the 17-year-old knew what she was getting into. She wasn't being uh, lied to or duped. But all the other charges about enticing underage kids to come for sexual situations, moving them across state lines, conspiracy to commit that, the whole nine yards. The the one charge of the 17-year-old or the 16-year-old victim knew that she was going to go across state lines to have sex with these men. But all the other charges stuck hard. And she faces like 65 years plus. For this. Right, right. Oh, yes. A lot of years are on the line here that she'll right. have to spend in prison. One of the things that we talked about and that was talked about in the news was how long the jurors were deliberating. Right. The thought was, and you just mentioned it, when the jurors deliberate for that long, that kind of bodes in the favor of the defense Indeed. because you just need to have reasonable doubt. And if it's that hard to score a conviction, Clearly, they're they're grappling with some issue that they're struggling with, and that tends to favor the defense. Well, in this case, here's what came out just recently that this could be a game changer. One of the jurors during voir dire failed to disclose his own sexual assault that he suffered. So so- now, Chris, this is huge. This is big. Huge. Uh, it is huge. Yeah. Because what what happens here, uh, uh, listeners, is that when before trial starts, the both sides will get together. They do this in criminal cases and in civil cases right. during voir dire, and that's when all the prospective jurors will come in and they will be questioned on to fill out questionnaires, and the judge the judge with the lawyers will have this discussion of okay. What type of juror do we think is not appropriate in this case? Right. Because of the subject matter of this case, because of the issues, what kind of juror are we going to say, yeah, that person has too much previous experience with this, these issues, that that person can be unduly influential in the jury room, can maybe sway the jury one way based upon right. extracurricular factors. And so we're mm-hmm. going to exclude this type of juror. Well, well it's especially of- true for sex cases, right? There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of right. opinions. There's a lot of feelings. So when you're dealing with, in this instance, sex cases, rape, uh, child molestation, uh, tampering or not tampering, I'm sorry, uh, grooming, all of these things. And to add on the fact that again, Maxwell is not, killed herself um and epstein not, not yet didn't, didn't kill himself like you this is this is an intense situation where you need to have people who can have a an uh, an unequal bias right they can't they can't be showing that they have leanings towards one side or the other or that corrupts the justice system right you don't want to get a bunch right. of people on a jury that agree with the prosecutor or the defense there's no point in having a trial then so both sides agree that if a particular potential juror had previously suffered 
sexual assault right. in some way that that juror would be excused. Both sides would agree. You wouldn't have to use any kind of peremptory strikes on that juror that if that person had that experience, they would be excused as a juror. Well, one of the jurors did suffer sexual assault as a child and failed to disclose that Ooh. in the questionnaire. Now, That's a no, no. Juror, this juror did some media and was talking about his own personal experience and how he used that personal experience that he had suffered himself to convince the other jurors to find Maxwell guilty. Here's right. how it played out. Um, there was an expert witness that's come in to testify that sometimes if you were a victim of a sexual assault, your memory would forget things. You would have a bad right. memory about certain we might think, oh, how could you forget that? Well, Depress my expert it. witness said, here's the reason why. And some of the other jurors struggled with that concept. This juror said, hey, hey, you know what? No, it's true. See, I had suffered from sexual abuse myself, right. and I don't remember certain things. And so that's why we should believe these witnesses. That you know, goes a long way to pushing the, the needle down on one side it does. of this equation in favor of the prosecution and against the defense. Right. Chris, as a criminal defense lawyer, uh, how, do, how do you receive that information that a juror failed to disclose that kind of information? Well, it's, it's a game changer. One, one, first and foremost, it's perjury. It's right off, right okay. off the bat. It's perjury. And I think, you know, you and I talked about this, and I don't want to steal your thunder on this, but the prosecutor said, right, that juror needs an attorney. Like, he needs yes. to shut up, and he needs an attorney right now because it's perjury. He is per he when you go to when you go to Vladire, every every time when you're there for those of for those of you who haven't served on a jury and I've I've done my fair share of trials at this point, um that the judge goes over that all your answers are considered under oath answers. You are telling the court the complete and total truth every time you do that. And if you lie, you could be charged with perjury, which in California is a misdemeanor. It's three years uh, possible $250,000 fine, uh, probation, stuff like that. It, it's a slap on the wrist, but for people who are there for jury duty, that's it's scary. You know, you get lay people and you have the judge up there on the stand going, if you lie, you will go to jail. I will make sure you go to jail. Now, for the record, a perjury would require some kind of intent to deceive, to, to tell a, a mistruth. Right. And here the juror said, I didn't think that was a question that was mm. asked. Hmm. Okay. Well, so I did some digging, Chris. I pulled up the actual questionnaire. Of course you that did. These, yeah, that's what this podcast is all about, bringing you the real news. And that's so I right. pulled up the question. This is what the questionnaire said. This is its own question. Here it is. Have you or a friend or family member ever been the victim of sexual harassment, sexual abuse, or sexual assault? This includes actual or attempted sexual assault or other unwanted sexual advance. How do you gloss over that question? Right. I mean, is that confusing to you? It, no, because it hits the high notes, right? Were you sexually assaulted? Were you sexually harassed? Were you harangued? Were you groomed? Like, it covers the gambit of oh. what could be considered sexual assault under these circumstances. Oh, it's the high notes, the low notes, the in-between right. notes, the off notes, the bad notes, the accidental. Uh, see, Everything. I'm a sax player. Yeah, Every note it. that you can have, this covers it. And so I, he, his response has to be, 
I didn't read any of the questions. I just Correct. signed my name at the end and I am so lazy or whatever, but I don't see how we can say I actually read that and got confused about whether or not this was asking about previous sexual assault experiences, which well, of course he had. Again, and the best part of that is when you sign that, you're signing it under penalty of perjury. So the right. fact that you didn't read it doesn't mean like mistake of fact or ignorance of law is not a defense. So the fact that you did not read the questionnaire that you signed under penalty of perjury tells me that there's negligence. It shows intent to defraud because you did not go through and take it seriously. Like this cat's going to get the book thrown at him, hopefully, because we don't want jurors like that. We don't want you to just sign the bottom of it and hope to get, you know, preemptively pushed out or dismissed for cause. Like this is a serious deal. People's lives. so what's going to happen here is right now Maxwell is not in prison. She is a free woman awaiting she is. sentencing. She is. The on January nineteenth, the judge is asked for a, a motion to be filed on this matter. So this issue Crazy. will be argued in February. If this judge does not order a new trial, uh, it will it will it will really shock me. I would expect right. a new trial to be ordered. Now, a judge might not because of the political pressure, but nonetheless, no. to say this has now become a good issue for appeal a would be issue. an understatement. And so, oh I don't gosh. think Maxwell will be spending any time in jail now for several years as this is being litigated through the appeals process. She'll probably be out on bail as this is on appeal as this issue is that strong. Again, no guarantees there, but it would not surprise me one bit if she does not spend any, uh, if it takes her a couple of years before she actually is put into a jail cell. And then we can have the conversation about her not killing herself. Maxwell did not not kill herself right on cue. All right. But I also think like judges don't like to be overturned. We you could gra- we should get McKenzie back on the program and say, "Hey, as a new judge, do you want to be overturned?" And the answer right. is going to be no. Judges don't like to be overturned. So I would be very surprised if the judge did not order a new trial based on this information. And remember, this is the judge who already was appointed to the Second Circuit. And right. so she is already looking at confirmation proceeding. Right. Uh, to become, to get this would job hang promotion. around her neck the rest of her career if she fumbled this call. Yeah. And so I do imagine there's some political pressure on her to put Maxwell in jail. But how right. do you ignore this? You can't. Uh, this, yeah, this kind of oversight. This yeah, is the, the, the definition of reversible error. The definition yes. of the a juror lied. Then that juror used the information that they lied about to convince other jurors to uh, return a guilty verdict. That is classic reversible error. Yeah, this is on a key issue in this case. Right. I mean, a key issue. Very, And again, this is a criminal case. This is not a civil case where it may be you need a a, a seven to five majority vote. You You need here all 12 jurors. So any one juror who would have said, okay, that, that made a difference to me. Okay, that's, got, game. That's, a, that's the game. Exactly. That's the game. All right. Moving on to Elizabeth Holmes, our oh, billionaire for a minute uh, defendant. She was found guilty this last week. Now, she was on trial for conspiring to defraud investors. She was the CEO at 19 years of age of Theranos. I think crazy. I, I, Absolutely I butchered crazy. that. That was this medical technology that you could do a little prick in your shoulder or whatever, and it could detect if you had cancer or these other kinds of diseases. HIV, hepatitis, all sorts of stuff. I actually, you you mentioned uh, various diseases. Herpes is one of them. And I actually found out this last week from doing my own research that the FDA 
actually approved they did this device they for you uh for detecting herpes i have no idea what that says about this case but at least the fda did get some preliminary approval for one of its products or one of its use nonetheless the the verdict was in chris what was the verdict in her case so elizabeth was charged with 11 different counts in this case so it's a super complex case she had um she was found guilty of seven of the 11 so that's okay. something to unpack right there with being only found guilty of a couple and then not um not well, let's guilty unpack of other that stuff. right now because i think that is a yeah, huge it's, thing it's you just so said. much stuff because the four that she was not found guilty on were the claims that she defrauded patients. Right. I think that's a huge dis distinction. In other words, you can defraud investors. They're the people with money. They're other right. billionaires. You, you right? cannot defraud people with money, but you can defraud the sick and weakly that are depending upon advances in medical technology to live. Right. If but they had... If they had found her guilty of defrauding patients, right. I think that would have been a much more serious deal and situation. Instead, right. they just found her guilty of defrauding other investors. And so here's where I'm going with this, Chris. I want you to yeah. unpack for our listeners Perfect. what this verdict is all about. But I am going to put you on the spot here. And I like to gamble. I, I mean, we I, love like it. To, I like to discuss gambling. I, I shouldn't say I like to gamble because I don't really gamble, but I like to follow it. And I like to follow the lines, the betting lines. So I'm going to give you a betting line on the number of years that she is sentenced. But before we get there, okay. before I give you my number, tell us, uh, unpack this verdict. All right. Because so, I, I so rudely interrupted you the first time. It's okay. I'm going to actually let you talk this time without interrupting you. I'm going to get a deep breath here. Get it deep in the chest because it's going to be a minute. All right. Seven charges found guilty. The four not guilty of defrauding patients, conspiracy to defraud patients. All right. We got our medical people out of the way. She was found guilty of three. Count them three. One, two, three. Wire fraud charges. Two of which were to specific investors, names everyone might know. Larry Ellison, Rupert Murdoch, who each invested around a hundred plus million into the company. Wow. She, she was then charged with an addition or she was found guilty of an additional three counts of defrauding the investors, which I find incredibly hilarious. Not only did she get charged for defrauding the investors once she gets hit a second time because they wired her the money that she defrauded them from so she gets hit on the front end and the <laughs> okay. back end of both of these and then she gets one count of conspiracy to defraud investors which essentially means she knew that she was defrauding these investors and they're only going to charge her one count for that now okay what i think is funny is that she didn't get three counts of conspiracy right she got three counts of wire fraud charges she got three counts of defrauding and she only got one count of conspiracy the reason for this, in my tinfoil hat Chris Marone opinion, there's no restitution paid on conspiracy. So it didn't matter. There is restitution paid on wire fraud and defrauding the investors. So at the end of the day, Larry Ellison and Rupert Murdoch, who combined for, I want to say, close to a billion dollars and this third party who I didn't catch their name combined close to a billion dollars can get restitution back of over what they invested. Wow. Because the, the law finds that they're entitled to their investment back, which I understand and the profits they would have projected from that investment. 
So what you're telling me, Law, is that not only am I I get my gambling debt back, I get the money I could have won if I would have hit blackjack this turn. Wow, that was a good no. I would say it's, it could have been a good investment for them. It could have been. I doubt she has the money to pay that. No, uh, she doesn't have a billion dollars anymore. Right, the money is long gone, and yeah. so I do know. I, I read an article, but she went back to her house, which was some multi-million-dollar house yes. on several acres. So somewhere there, there's money. I'm thinking it might belong to her. Her um, uh, husband partner. or, or yeah. partner, uh, I guess maybe it's not a husband, but yeah, yeah. Uh, her partner. Baby daddy. Cause it, hey, yo, however you want to describe that. Yep. Uh, she does have a, uh, a child now. She does. Which brings us to this issue, the over-under. So you just talked a little bit about the verdict, what she mm-hmm. did, the fact that she was not found guilty of conspiracy, uh, more than just one count. Right. Here's where I come. I'm going to give you an over-under. Okay. Of five years in jail. Ooh. Now, I know what some of the experts under. have said. Under. You're going under. Under. Interesting. She faces, I think, what, well over 20 years in jail, right? Up, per up count? To, up to 20 years per count. Okay. So, and this is white collar crime in America. She's going to get, she's going to get, she may get, well, okay. She may get sentenced to eight or ten. She'll serve two or three no. at a minimum security. No, 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 no. You, you can't change my numbers on me. I gave I you a five sentence, not no, how long she's gonna spend. Right. But I'm still I'm still gonna say under. I'm still gonna you're say under. under five years. I'm gonna go with okay. the under five years. I, I think you're right on that one. I, I read but some some articles max, about that. Max extent of penalties. She will pay, they, they will assess fees on top of fees, on top of fees, on top of everything. She will be, like, ta- she will be assessed as many fees as humanly possible. She'll get the minimum 250 per um, per count. So right there, we're at, what, 3 point, or no, 7 million. We're at just 1.75 million at 250 per count. And then wow. she's going to get assessed the 900 million plus. Here's the deal. At some point... This needs to be resolved, needs to be right. settled, because she can't possibly pay that money back. Ever. So that means she's not ever going to work another day in her life, because why right. work if you're just going to lose all that money? And I, I'm saying, obviously, the law will allow her to work and, and buy a reasonable house and right, things right, like right, that. Right, right. But I'm talking about making big money above that amount. She can't. No. If she makes a movie on no. this, Never. it's gone. Yeah, if it's she were gone. to make, you know. Exactly. Rupert Murdoch she, um, and Larry Ellison own her wealth Probably above maybe $150,000. That might be a reasonable because she lives in Silicon Valley, right? She's in San Jose. So she might be able to make $150K a year, but anything above that's going right into Rupert Murdoch and Larry Ellison. Now, I did some research in, in California law this week, and I, you, you're more familiar with California law than I am. So I'll be interested to see how crazy you think I am. I saw that the homestead exemption in California is not unlimited right. as it is where I'm from in Kansas. In Kansas, you can own a billion-dollar house as long as it's within the city limits. That they, Creditors cannot touch your house. That's mm-hmm. not true in California. It was limited, I think, all. around 200000 or something. Yep. Average-priced house <laughs> is what the homestead exemption is. Is that accurate? I think one, it's hilarious that you think two hundred thousand is the average cost of a house in California. <laughs> like, right. let, let's correct the record right on that one right <laughs> off the bat. Like, 
when Megan and I were living in California and we lived on the coast, we lived Monterey, Carmel, Pebble Beach area. Um, we had a two bedroom, 1100 square foot house, about 10 blocks from the beach up the hill towards the okay. top. And it was a fixer upper and it was it was crappy. It was old. It was worth around two and a half, three million dollars. Wow. So the average house, <laughs> the average house in the lower socioeconomic like areas of like, let's take Stockton, right? Or let's take somewhere inland or Sacramento. We'll do Sacramento. Average cost of a house is 500K easily. Okay. So in California, and that's with the California exemption for the community property and the property rights is they take what the market average is for a house. And the problem is, is we have Pebble Beach. We have Los Angeles. Ah. We have San Francisco. We have La Jolla and San Diego. We have all these beautiful places in California where the average cost of a house is six or seven million. And right. we, we lump that in with the lower end. So you're always going to get a high end property value okay. for California. Good, good. Yeah. See, that I knew you could set me straight on, right. on that matter. 200 there. grand. And I now know I am not shopping for houses in California. I am staying clear. I mean, I would have anyways. Uh, but nonetheless, actually, <laughs> we're looking to buy a condo right now. We are selling one of our rental properties in Kansas. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've always wanted a beach condo. And we are looking at Florida. And I'm specifically looking in these these remote areas where I'm not going to pay top dollar. Right. Because I... I can't sell a Kansas rental property and have top dollar because not Kansas is not exactly a rental place, you know, Mecca. Right. And and so I'm not going to get that much money from that sell. I'll get a little bit of money that I could buy a, a fixer upper in Florida, but I now know clearly stay clear free from yeah. uh, the, the West coast. I, that is definitely outside of my league. I also heard, I remember from the OJ Simpson days oh. that if you had a pension, a retirement fund, mm -hmm. that that cannot be touched by creditors. That's why OJ Simpson was allowed to keep his retirement fund from mm -hmm. the NFL. Is, is that true? Well, partially it depends on how you got the retirement where it's protected, what type of – because OJ was protected by the NFL Players Union for his retirement, if I remember correctly. Okay. And so that's a different agreement altogether. But, like, let's say that I worked as a police officer for 20 years and put into my government pension. And then my wife comes along and I get married after I'm retired and she runs up credit card debt and all sorts of shenanigans. Well, my pension is separate property. So the creditors right, can't okay. get to that. Or she gets into a car accident and kills somebody uh, and the creditors come after me. No, that's a separate property asset that I had before marriage. Now, okay. or if like during the marriage, you know, my grandfather left me a house in my name only and not my wife's name, that could be considered separate property as well. So there's a lot of different things. If I owned a business, a lot of stuff can be considered separate property under California law. But it's all dependent upon the characteristic of the property, how you use the prop, and, and property or asset are kind of interchangeable. Retirement is considered property. House is considered property or an asset. So it all depends on how it was used, in which way, um, what it's protected by. Did you use it in accordance with the, the confines of it? Did you use it to pay household expenses? Because then that transfigures the, the, the form of the asset. So it's highly possible that she was a billionaire at one point in time in her life, 
that if she had some financial advisors around her, mm-hmm. maybe they could have provided for her a little nest egg that she could right. use to live on. But it's also possible she is just flat broke right now. Yeah, and S-O-L. facing a very Exactly. All right. One more case here before we jump into sports. The Supreme Court on Ooh. Friday of this week, which is when we are going, the, this podcast will be released. You and I are recording this on Thursday evening. Yep. Tomorrow, Friday, so when the podcast is being released, the Supreme Court will be hearing argument in the vaccine-related cases. There's two big yep. cases the Supreme Court will be hearing on Friday. One deals with this OSHA requirement that all employers of over 100 or more employees has to mandate that the employees either be fully vaccinated or be tested weekly and wear masks at work. And there's right. another very similar requirement uh, for any facility that receives federal funding when it comes to medical, like, you know, uh, Medicaid or, or Medicare. Right. Uh, if they receive federal funding in that way, then they also have the, the, the workers there, the, the nurses, the staff right. has to be fully vaccinated. Chris. This issue on vac- vaccinate yourself has splintered our our country. Did you anticipate? Did you see this coming? No, I I never thought that a public health issue would be so politically charged. The reason why this fascinates me is I have been litigating vaccine cases for years since since the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. My, my first case on my own was a vaccine case. I represented this person from New York. Uh, great client. It's still a personal friend of mine. That's good. And uh, I argued there in federal court in New York. It said, hey, requiring him to be vaccinated and to vaccinate his kids violates his sincerely held religious beliefs. Right. That introduced me to this whole culture of people who really feared vaccines, thought it was a very dangerous thing to inject into their bloodstream, into their their bodies, uh, Mm -hmm. and they thought that God does not want them to inject that kind of uh, material into their their bodies. Right. So that's how their religious beliefs were implicated. But I knew knew that, that that culture existed back in 2000. Right. But the entire society, we, we all vaccinate. Every year, our kids go to school and they have to have a litany of vaccines. Right. And so what changed this year? Do you have any idea? Like I have my, you know, I, I fully believe that it was misinformation from your different media sources. I believe that the, that the Trump administration had a lot to do with trying it was a very weird time because as the Trump administration was fast tracking the vaccine and um and trying to create a vaccine to help with this public health crisis out of the left side of his mouth he's saying you shouldn't do it you shouldn't take the vaccine it's about freedom and it became this idea where Trump wanted to leave it up to the states as long as the states did what he wanted it was the weirdest okay. thing is like states like I live in Arizona, right? And we didn't mandate vaccines. As a matter of fact, our governor signed an executive order saying that you can't mandate vaccines or masks. That order was subsequently turned over by the state Supreme Court, which, by the way, 90 percent of the judges our governor appointed. So that was a little shocking for us because they they went totally against him and called him an idiot, essentially. But while the pandemic was going on, it was, you know, 
who do we trust for sources of information? The disinformation was so great. The political pandering was so great. The, oh, the, it was amazing. It was, the, I mean, it was a masterclass in dividing a country from the inside. And I will tell, I, I want to give my little two cents here worth because you just did a Trump dig, which is fair because right. I know you're on the other side of the political aisle. And it, I, I've never said I'm a Trump fan. I am a conservative Republican, but right. if I did vote for him, it was, it was with my nose held. But nonetheless, despite that, uh, I got to get a Kamala Harris dig in because mm-hmm. I remember during the debates, they asked her if she would take this vaccine. Do you remember what Kamala Harris said during the debates? I think she said if it was a Trump vaccine, no, or something. I think she took exactly. it. Exactly. As if Trump, Trump was yeah. out there in some laboratory working on a vaccine, she cast doubt as right. to whether you should even take these vaccines right. in the first place. So this was a political issue. And Chris, from the this get-go. Is my t- yeah, this is my take. Because this was politicized right from the beginning. In other words, the Democrats did not want Trump to have any success whatsoever. Even when it came to the vaccine, they made that a political issue right out of the gate. Of course, Trump is going to make everything political. He makes his breakfast choice in the morning political. Political. Um, I take fertilized eggs because I believe I'm pro-life. Shut up, man. Just shut up. Exactly. Because it entered the political realm, immediately the public said, I question this. I yeah. mean, I, I, oh, yeah. I have serious misgivings. I don't trust politics, Chris. I think politicians right now are the most least respected people on this planet. If you left a $100 on a nightstand, that was your money, and you, but you just accidentally left it on a nightstand, and there was a hooker in the room, a drug dealer, and a politician. <laughs> we all know the politician is stealing your money. He is getting that money. We don't trust politicians for anything. I don't trust them on the right. I don't trust them in the on the left. I don't trust them in the middle. And now that the vaccines became a political issue during the 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 Trump you know uh, Biden campaign right. by both sides. Oh yeah. Now the public says, I don't trust vaccines. Well, so when I was working for the Democratic Party back in 2010, 2011, doing election stuff in California, um, we had a we we were doing a lot of research on Congress. Right. Because, I mean, it's 2011. Obama's ending his first term. The rise of Romney is coming up and Congress. At that point, people were starting to dislike. And we came to find out that the approval rating nationally of Congress is somewhere back in 2010 and 11. It was like 18 or 20%. Now I'm going to assume it's lower now. I'm just, you know, right. it's lower now, yeah. but people get reelected by 70% mark. Like somebody will get 70% of the vote. And what we found out is that the people that are doing this, and we looked at both high democratic districts and high Republican districts is that the people, when you ask them, they love their Congress member. My Congress member is amazing. It's your Congress member. That's the problem. Your Congress member is the one that's being obstructive. And that's what we found out when we were doing all this research is that guys like Mitch McConnell, who, you know, is a, a, a conservative Republican senator from Kentucky for the last hundred years. He when he goes and campaigns, he's in a blue jeans and a T-shirt and he's at a barbecue grill and he's a good old boy. And everybody right. loves Mitch McConnell or when, you know, Barbara Boxer or Diane Feinstein would go campaign around California, they would be in their their perfect Armani suits and they're very articulate and eloquent. And sometimes Barbara Boxer's talking in Spanish to constituents and they're like, she really hears me. 
But then they get back to Congress and they're like, F these people, let's fight it out. And it's, it's always, and I think it's gotten worse, right? It's clearly gotten worse since McCain, Obama, Romney, Obama, it's gotten, it's gotten worse. And so it it really has, I, we're not that old, but clearly in our lifetime, this is a fever pitch of animosity between both sides of the political aisle. Right. And, And so I think because this became a political issue, during that campaign, I think that Kamala Harris threw the first uh, launch. They said, I, w- I won't take the vaccine if Trump had anything to do with it. Of course, Trump made it political himself. Now we don't trust right. vaccines because it became a political issue. Now, in that context, let's analyze now what the Supreme Court, who is supposed to be an apolitical body, how are they going to handle this issue? All right, let's take a look at what the issue will wow, be. Wow, it's going to be. Uh, yeah. It's going to be faster. So here's the it argument is. before the court. Uh, in this case, the uh, OSHA, here's what they're arguing, okay. that the COVID-19 virus is both a physically harmful agent and a new hazard and that unvaccinated employees who are exposed to the virus to the virus at work face a grave danger. Now, there's okay. so many different levels to this argument that I want to unpack. First of right. all, the, um, uh, the COVID-19 in the workplace is this a grave danger in the workplace? Chris, let me give you a little bit of context. Tomorrow, hey. I'm going to be on my way to the Bahamas. Of course you are. Yes. Of exactly. course you are. I, I know you and I are previously. I We already did a podcast when I was on a cruise. <laughs> I like the cruise. There's going to be a, a lot of other people on this cruise ship with me. We know the numbers. I look at the numbers every single day. I know right. the stats. I know what this Omicron variant is doing. It's off the charts. You know what, Chris? We don't care. Is this really, if this were a grave danger with so many people who have knowledge on, on what this virus is all about, go out on a cruise? I mean, how, how do you... You know, uh, juxtapose those two concepts that we're w- so willing to accept the risk at the same time. This is a grave danger. I think there's a a group of individuals that will accept the risk, and you fall into that group of individuals. And again, this is part of the divisiveness, right? Because there's a group of individuals that that would not, right? My my fortieth birthday is next Saturday. And we were going to go to Disneyland for my 40th birthday. We decided against going to Disneyland, even though there's the mass requirements and all that jazz, because of the Omicron spreading, because we believe that there is a deep-seated possible graveness to getting the coronavirus. And we're going to err on the side of caution. Now, that's our choice, as right. it is your choice right. to go on the, the COVID cruise line down to the Bahamas. Right. We're, it, right. It, we're not going to do it. And so I think I think grave is the arguable fact, because there is clearly people who believe that it is grave. There's clearly, you know, there's people have died from the disease. The disease has spread. There's people who don't think that it is grave. And that's, again, why we go to the Supreme Court. They get to determine right. whether or not it's grave or it isn't grave. I think and that is the issue. Go ahead. That is the issue before the court, right? That right. Uh, one of the arguments that was made. This is from the administration. Uh, they said that um, uh, the COVID nineteen virus is a physically harmful agent. Exposure to it in the workplace presents a grave danger to employees, and the mandate is necessary to protect right. employees from that danger. 
Chris, I don't think it's necessary. And so maybe right. you can present the other side or maybe you can agree with me. But there are a lot of other ways to get around this. Is is this man is. is this vaccination, this mandate necessary? How about have the workers just distance themselves? How about right work from home. I know for myself, my approach is uh, we work from home as much as possible. We minimize, um, you know, public webinars where we get everyone together. We socially right. distance. And then, of course, I'm, I'm vaccinated. That's a whole other issue. Right. Um, but um, we, we make these personal choices. I, I'm going to stay away from other people. How is this mandate necessary to protect employees? That's the hard part, right? Because and, and we do this often in government. This isn't the first time we've done, you know, broadsword solutions to scalpel problems. Um, there's an, there's industries, right? Tech industry, law, um, some telemedicine, right? You don't have to sit in a room with your psychologist or your psychologist could sit super far away. There's a lot of industries out there that will allow you to work from home or work remotely that the vaccine wouldn't or shouldn't be mandated for. My wife does data analytics for a hard money lender. Banking nowadays is very rarely done with cash. You could do all your banking online. A lot of this stuff is, is determinative of like some of these industries don't, require people to be in person they only want them there because bosses don't know how to lead unless they're standing over someone else telling them what right. to do but there's other industries that require you be in close proximity and we can we're, we're a complex enough people and we're a smart enough people to go look if you have the opportunity to work from home you should be afforded that opportunity businesses you should be including you should be doing that you should be making people work from home so that way you could protect people that is a simple and necessary and i don't know cheap step right in helping right. you know get the economy back on track um because i understand the point of this massive vaccination process is to get people back to work, get the economy going, putting dollars into the American industry and get things going again. I understand what? that, but you got to have scalpel. And, and that's the same. And I'm that way with everything. The budget discussions, Supreme court cases, you can't sit here and go, what's good for the law industry of being able to work from home or having associates work from home is going to be the same thing as grocery store clerks or, um, or restaurant workers, stuff to that effect. Right. I think the court is going to pick up a lot on what you're just saying oh, yeah. with the scalpel For sure. approach. In other words, federalism issues will play a huge role. And right. here, when they just have one broad rule that says, hey, all employees or all employers with 100 or more employees, you have to do this. Right. Well, maybe there's a lot of other ways to do this. And maybe you should let the businesses themselves decide, are, are we really at a point now where the business can't decide for themselves. The workers right. haven't spoken up and been heard. Is there really a problem out there that requires, um, you know, OSHA to step in and mandate this across the board? Right. Or, or is this a political move by one political party to score points? And what I am fearful of is that's how the public is perceiving this. Well, and now, what how points are you scoring? Like, what's what's the win? Let's say Biden. Let's say Biden gets it. Let's say the Supreme Court, unlikely as, comes back and goes, Biden, you're right. That's well within your executive power. OSHA, let's do this. Let's rock it. What political yes. point does Biden win? Because it oh, just he wins a huge political point there because we all can see where this is going. At least I, I, 
I know it's kind of hard to say, but if if you read the experts and they look at these the 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 lifespan of these viruses, this right. will play out over the next two years. It's probably right. maybe it's already doing that. This most recent variant, highly contagious, not really that potent at all. That's right. what the numbers show. Right, right, right. I've been that's numbers what, that's every what everybody's getting day. on. Yeah. It, it goes into the throat. It does not go into the lungs, and therefore, it's not actually resulting in in the fatalities right. that we saw from the previous two variants. Indeed. And so, that being said, and when the presidential campaign is going to happen in three years, Biden will be able to say, "Look, I beat it. We beat it. We got the Supreme Court to give us that victory. We required." businesses to to uh mandate or, or test we're the ones that are uh beat down covid right and so vote us in the next election see, everything is about scoring political points i see it the other way i see it the other way of coming out going this is you know because if biden gets this victory people are still going to kick against the vaccine. They're going to quit their jobs. They're going to do whatever they want to do to fight against getting this vaccine. They're not, employers aren't going to enforce it all over the place. There's just going to be fines, right? I, I see it the other way, whereas Biden, if Biden gets his way, this is a huge political loss for him because two years down the road is going to come down. And then rather than people taking personal responsibility and us figuring out ways as individuals and communities to get rid of COVID, they're going to come back and hang the COVID thing around his neck. Like, look, if you just want to let us do what what we had instead of trying to force the government down our throat, then we would have had this done already. And even if COVID is resolved, let's say it gets resolved, people are still going to come back and be like, we don't want an authoritative government forcing this down our throat. I think this from my side of the, the perspective, I see this as either way, Biden gets his way or he doesn't get this way. This is such a huge political loss for him. Interesting. Now, it, it, one last thought here before you jump over to football. Again, this yeah. is going to be argued at the Supreme Court. So we're just kind of guessing oh, yeah. as to the issues that are going to be important to the Supreme Court. Yes. But one, if, if one of the issues is, is this mandate necessary? Right. This is one thing the the argue uh, the, the the litigants will will say. Look at the stats in Florida and compare those with the stats. In California, one state says no mask, no mandate whatsoever. Just let people live their lives free from any mandates. The other state is the exact opposite. It is what OSHA is doing times 10. Right. Look at the results, the numbers, the, the fatalities. You, you can't see any difference. So it no matter what you do, this virus runs through the population the same way. And so can you say that this is really necessary in this context? Or is this about scoring political points? And I wish, Chris, I so wish I could say in my heart of hearts, I trusted the politicians to act no, in our best don't. interest. I just don't. They don't. I just, I don't know why. I just do not trust the politicians to act in our best interest. They probably do at some point in time. It might be they acted in our best interest in this particular situation. How do I know that? You don't. And that's, and actually, you know that they're not going to act in your best political interest. That you can make that, that is the starting point. The starting point is they're not going to help. They are not here to help us. They are not, they are not trying to help us. They're not wanting to help us because they haven't figured out a way to compromise on jack diddly crap. Interesting. And Interesting. Look, I, I, I am a, 
I, I've been a liberal Democrat my entire life. I believe that there is great good in the seat of government. I just don't believe there's good in it right now. Yeah, I, I hope that maybe the court, the, the government will act in our best interest. Now, in that backdrop, so that's the political reality of what we are dealing with. The Supreme Court has to act apolitical. So this is what the Supreme Court is going to say. What is our fundamental rights? Right. Let's go to the Constitution. That defines our fundamental fundamental rights and go from there. So I'm excited right. to see how this court will navigate this very, very sticky uh, political thorny issue. All right. That being said, Chris, it is time for courtroom quarterback. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. See, I did that for Sean's benefit. He said, Joe, I need a little break there so that way I can play the music. See, listeners, I gate when Sean asks, right. I give Sean what he wants. We're as givers. Chris does as well. We're givers. We are. So, Chris, do you have something to drink? I do not. I have, I should. I'll go grab, hold on. Let me grab a water bottle real quick. All right. You're grabbing some water bottle. Now, while you are, are you back yet, Chris? I am back. I just had to reach over to my side. All right. I, 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 since I share my religious beliefs here, you need to share your religious beliefs as well if you feel comfortable in doing it. Yes, of uh, course. So do, you're a Mormon, right? I am. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So can you drink coffee? I can. It is advised against, and it is against our doctrine. I choose not to. The doctrine wow. of, of uh, Latter-day Saints is that we make choices not to engage in certain activities, not that we can or cannot. I remember Paul, the apostle, saying everything is beneficial, but not everything is, uh, or everything is, is permissible, not everything is beneficial. beneficial. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. There you go. Scripture off the top of my head Nailed here. It. Exactly. During this courtroom quarterback session. Well, let's go it. from the apostle Paul to the bowl season we are now winding down Ooh, from the ending. bowl season and we're not quite going to get to yours and my gambling picks from last week we're going to get there in just a bit but sure. first the sec laid an egg during this bowl season it's like that do <sighs> you remember that meme where you had a guy sitting at some table that has some phrase and it says prove me wrong yes you, you know what i'm talking yeah, change about change my okay. mind Change my mind. So I am that guy. I am sitting at the table, and my sign says the SEC laid an egg during this bowl season. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. The only thing that they have good going for them is that they're going to have the CFP on national TV. But other oh, than yes, that, you're right. like that's, but that's the only thing they got. That That is really the only thing they got. The rest of it was just a giant goose egg. They were five and seven in the Bulls so far, but as you just said, it to all of our SEC listeners out there, both of you, um, they, they will say, "No, look, look who's playing for the national title. It's Georgia versus Alabama." You see, the SEC is doing well. It is the supreme top conference. Yes, I will give you that. You have two really good teams at the top. Right. It's just not the end all be all when it comes to conferences. You were only five and seven throughout the entire bowl season, which Chris just made me kind of happy. Yeah. I gotta tell you. I, I I enjoyed watching the SEC lay an egg, especially the last game against K-State, where I'm from. Uh, they did not do well at all. The LSU laid a huge egg a huge against K-State. 
that was so fun to watch. The Big 12 actually had a 5-2 and two record during this bowl season. Not bad for a conference that the ESPN and the SEC tried to dissolve this year. But uh, let's look at the championship game coming up. Alabama versus Georgia. I know we've been ragging on the SEC, <laughs> but are you going to watch that game? Not even a little bit. Really? Not even a little bit. I, I don't. Look, my time is precious. And I don't waste my time on useless conference. Like, I don't. I'm not. I'll catch it on Yahoo Sports when it sends me an alert that both of the teams suck and it was a waste of everybody's time. That's right. That's where I'm at. You are right. You are right. I got to tell you, truly, I I love sports. I follow football like you would not believe. Mm -hmm. I don't care about this game. No, there's no point. I hope they both lose and it's not going to happen. But why do we want a conference title game rematch for our national championship we don't. game. I, right. I just don't want it. We don't yeah. want let, it. Let me now. Let's let USC play, I don't know, uh Iowa State. That'd be a more fun game right. to watch, but nonetheless, let's go to what everyone is talking about in the NFL this last week, uh, and that is the new stripper ooh. Antonio Brown. What happened his last yeah, last week Antonio Brown and the Buccaneers were playing a game, and somehow there was a disagreement on the sideline. Yep. And Antonio Brown says, "Hey, look, I was injured," um, and right. they said, "No, we don't care. We want you to go back in and play." I highly question how injured Antonio Brown was, but I know you have some evidence to the contrary. Well, but nonetheless, I, not that I don't question it, right? I, I, and we're going to get into this right now. We're just going to fight it out right now, Joel, because it's not right, that I don't. Let's qu- do it. I mean, Antonio Brown was quite the dancer in the end zone once he ripped off his jersey, <laughs> threw it out, started to rile up the. I mean, he was quite the cheerleader there. So, do I believe that he was super injured? No, I don't. I don't believe for a second. But I do believe that. You know, sports players' bodies do take a beating, and if and if you feel like you're in a position where you can get injured, the only advocate out there is yourself. The team is not going to say slow it down or no. We're we are a Super Bowl bound Bucks team. We are the consummate professionals. We are top of the game. You play through every injury. You know, look at Aaron Rodgers and his little toe thing that he keeps playing through and. God love the offensive line of the of the Green Bay Packers that keep taking a step back right onto Aaron Rodgers' toe. I love it every time they step on his toe and he kind of limps off because he's a punk. But you know, AB has to stick up for himself, and if he if he's legitimately hurt with his ankle and uh, Bruce wanted him to still go in, he's got to stand up for himself on this one. Intra- yeah. In- instead, like I said, he um. Uh, did not want to go back in. Yep. He stripped off his shirt, his shoulder pads. I don't know what else he took off. Ran, did laps around the field during the third quarter, yep. waving to the fans, and then ran out. Apparently, he then asked the cops for a ride. He did. To the airport. <laughs> and so he didn't have a ride. Uh, Chris, have you ever seen such a scene ever in sports? I, I'm I'm trying to think of something that's even comparable I can't think of anything. I really can't. I I don't think in my lifetime. I mean, no, I I haven't seen anybody pull that kind of shenanigans that I can think of in professional ball. Um, now what the Bucks then immediately 
Cut him. Said he's no longer a Done. buck. In fact, I believe the coach during the post-game comments right. said he is no longer a buccaneer. Well, that wasn't entirely true. It took him about a week to figure out what to do with his contract, but then they eventually yeah. did release him. And so, hey, if your favorite team is looking for a wide receiver, he is available. He is on the market. You go ahead and sign him. But let the buyer be aware. Right. Let me just recite some of his recent history. He was a wide receiver, Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers and flamed out there, I believe. he. Um, and can we take a was, second and say the real hero of this whole story is Mike Tomlin putting up with A.B. for nine seasons? Like, and Daniel, uh, Le'Veon Bell, both of them yeah. at the same time. Right. And they were right. the top team in the NFL. Right. That is amazing. That yeah, that's I, heroic. I agree with you there. Put him in the Hall of Fame right now. No waiting period necessary. He then left the Steelers and went to the Raiders. I think it was the Las Vegas Raiders at that time. Yep. And if you remember, he actually developed some kind of mystery illness, maybe with his toe. Secretly recorded <laughs> conversations with his coach and released that. Yep. And so he was then immediately released. The New England Patriots then picked him up and released him within a few games as well. After I think some reports came out about came out about him mistreating a, a, a painter, a photographer, something like that. Yep. And so then Tom Brady said, Hey, look, come here to Tampa Bay. We'll give you your fifth chance here. And so you thought. Well, they won a Super Bowl this year or last year, so things are looking good. Yeah, you know what? Again, buyer be aware. So, Chris, let me give you one more betting uh, uh, line here. Do you think this year or next year someone will sign Antonio Brown? Yeah, and I think it's going to be like the Cleveland Browns. Um, no, I I think that I think he'll get picked up. The same way Cam Newton got picked up, right? Cam Newton didn't have the same, like, breakdown, but he's definitely out of his prime. So I right. think that I think that A.B. will get picked up for maybe one or two more seasons. He'll bounce around. You know what would be hilarious if he ended up in the new, was it the Canada Football League that's coming out next year or the USA Football Interesting. League? Interesting. Like the, the midway, the, the football league that's going to be in between the NFL season? All right. So we'll see. He'll get he'll get something. Or you know what? He might uh, box Jake Paul for a million bucks. Who knows? He might go into MMA. I am gonna put that as as my <laughs> my pick for his next employment check. He is gonna do some kind of pay per view boxing match or wrestling match, something like that. He is a spectacle. <laughs> yeah. uh, he likes to be right. a spectacle, and so that's where he is going. I think you are brilliant for suggesting that is going to be his next paycheck. Only All in right. America. It is, it is now time for you and I to continue our our philanthropic. I can't say that word. Whatever the word is. That's it. Thank you so much. Our efforts there to, to educate the, the youth. The kids against man. the dangers of gambling it's for the so, kids, Chris, man. Exactly. You and I have been going throughout this entire football season, trying to send this one message loud and clear Don't that gamble. do not waste your money on gambling. Gambling gamble. is of the devil. It is wrong. Do not do it. And so far we have not been doing a good job with sending that message. <laughs> right. Until last week. Yeah, last week, it. we really sent that message loud and clear. I was two and four last week. 
by the grace of God, I have no idea how I even won two games. You actually were four and six, went a couple games late to bring your record back up to a respectable amount. Right. So that being said, I am now 51 and 38 for the year. I'm so I'm up 13. Uh, you are 46 and 41. You're up five. Oh. Chris, what are your picks for this week? Well, I'm staying away from college football because that's where I lost all my games last time. <laughs> Every know. single college football game I talked about went, went awry. So um, I'm going to take some safe games this time around. I'm going to take Green Bay over Detroit. You know what's funny, though? Green Bay over Detroit. If you notice the line right now, and I'm looking at Yahoo Sports is my line. Green Bay is only a 3.5 favor over Detroit. 3.5. Wow. So that now game I'm going to be watching intently, but I'm calling on Green Bay to, to pull it out. This is why I hate gambling right. in week 18, the last right. week. And here's why. You have to factor in who's playing. Right. Because you you know in this game, the only reason why that spread is 3.5 is Aaron Rodgers might play one or two series and, then and they're going to sit him the rest of the game. Right. And so what are you getting? Getting the guy who hasn't taken snaps all year. And maybe he wants to play. Maybe he wants to shine. Right. And, and it's so. the Detroit Lions. Like, it's not like their defense is imposing. Like, my little sister plays for the D-line on the, the Detroit Lions. Come on. That's right. All right. right. So all you're right. taking Green Bay over Detroit. Yep. I'm taking Dallas my- over Philly. Dallas is a 4.5 favor over Philadelphia. Uh, I'm taking – so Miami and New England. New England is favored by 6.5. I'm going to take Miami to 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 win, not just cover, but okay. win. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to take the Bills over the Jets. The Bills are 16 point favors, and then I got my couple of games that I, I'm I'm iffy about. I'm iffy about Arizona over Seattle. Arizona is a six and a half point favored. I'm going to take uh, Arizona over Seattle, and then the Rams are playing my beloved Niners. And the Rams are favored by four and a half points. And even though Trey Lance had a great, great game last week, and he may be QB one now, I'm still going to go with the Rams. They're gonna, they're gonna, right. they're gonna take down the Niners. And it hurts. It hurts in my chest. Maybe that's the that COVID. Is, Maybe that's just my flacumpness. I don't know, but it hurts. That is going to be an exciting game. And yeah, I, I like your picks there. And I, I, I kind of sense the same level of, 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 of adhesion or of uh, apprehension about this week. Right. Because I don't know who actually is going to care right. about winning this week. Who yeah. is fighting for a contract? Who is not? Who's already packed up and gone golfing? Right. You know, for example, the Cleveland Browns, may, um, their quarterback, may, uh, Mayfield, um, he's already done. Baker, I mean, he's yeah. already Baker's Baker Mayfield, out. Yeah, he's already done. So... Is that going to help the team? He might rally. So we don't want Baker as our quarterback. So all these different dynamics, it's just hard to pick. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with, well, first of all, I'm going to pick the, the, the Chiefs game. The Chiefs are playing the Broncos on a Saturday. That game will mean something to Kansas City. First of all, it's the Broncos. We hate right. the Broncos. We hate the Broncos. Uh, exactly. The Broncos and the Raiders can't stand those two teams. And we have a lot to play for. We were embarrassed last week. Uh, we lost a very tough, close game to Cincinnati. This is 11 and a half point spread. So basically what we're saying here is a blowout by two touchdowns. I don't care. I'm going with Kansas City. I think we are going to bring our A game this week. This is going to be a blowout. 
of epic proportions. Cowboys and the Eagles. This is a game that means a great deal to both teams. Right. Cowboys are five-point favorite. I think the Cowboys are going to come ready to play. They are trying to prepare for the, the postseason, get in postseason shape. This is a rivalry game, which you know they will be uh, uh, bringing their A game. Steelers versus the Ravens. This Ooh. is a tough game to pick. I am going with the Steelers plus five points. The Steelers are five-point uh, underdog in this game, playing the Ravens. This will be Ben Roethlisberger's last game. This is a rivalry game. Right. He is going to bring it all. The playoffs are on the line. I have been riding this horse of the Steelers all year long, saying they're a great coach team. Put up or shut up. I am putting up right now. I'm going with the Steelers over the Ravens in that game. All right. All right. Lastly here, Chargers and the Raiders. This is going to be the last game played of the regular season. The playoffs will be on the line. Chargers right. are a three-point favorite. Is being played at the Raiders. Ooh. I got to pick this game. I'm really struggling on which way to go. Do you, do you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Raiders are just okay. not not putting it up there. Um, I I don't think the Raiders are going to perform. They're not finding their their skill set. So I'm going to go with the Chargers on this one. So you should right. pick the Raiders because I haven't been right any time you've asked me. You have convinced me to do that. I am going with the Raiders this week uh, because um, I think their quarterback Carr. He, this is his right. moment. He is finally learning how to play quarterback. There is a rumor this last week that John uh, Harbaugh, the, the, the coach of um, the Michigan. Michigan Wolverines, yeah. is toying with going to coach the Raiders because of Carr. Ooh. He is that good of a quarterback. And so I think this is going to be his, his shining moment to come through. I'm going to take the Raiders plus the three points in the home game. All right, you know what? It is now time for me to close up shop here. I have a plane to catch because the Bahamas are calling me. I love so, it. hey, Chris, you you have a great week this next week. We'll talk from somewhere in the middle of the high seas there in the Atlantic Ocean. I will talk to you next week. I love it, Joel. Have a fabulous flight and be safe, man. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. <laughs>